On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network that would have put Luis Guillorme away earlier in the at-bat during. I would have just, just throw a changeup. It's like in on the hands, yeah. down and in. I would simply get him to swing and miss, I believe. Uh, the key is not throwing 100. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. It's a pleasure <laughs> and a privilege to join, to have everyone listening to us for yet another week. Hello, Jordan. Uh, yes, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm excited about this here podcast. Now, if you're thinking like, hey, Jake and Jordan, like the season's coming up, like you got to do any more sort of like preview content. Don't worry, that's coming next week. We will start running through all 30 major league teams and maybe even throw in some KBO chatter for you as well. Uh, that's coming next week. We're going to start talking about teams in particular, tiering them, all, all that fun stuff. But this week it's more of a grab bag, more of a grab bag. If you're listening and you're like, Jake and Jordan, season's coming. Are you, is your plan to just keep tweeting about mid-level college baseball teams? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that's exactly yep. what we're going to keep doing because uh, we like college baseball. In fact, we're going to have a little bit of college baseball chat on this episode. But of course, Jake, we have to begin with a historic moment and something that you have already called, perhaps in hyperbole, but also perhaps justifiably, the greatest moment in spring training history. It's yes, number one. This past weekend. Luis Guillorme, Mets utility superstar. Not the Met that most people have been thinking about this winter, but now the Met that we are all thinking about. An epic 22-pitch battle with the one and only Jordan Hicks, quite possibly the hardest-throwing pitcher on this great earth. You, there's a good argument to be made that he is that, even in his first uh, you know, appearance back from Tommy John. And um, this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in any baseball game, spring training or not. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Extend Guillorme. When are the Mets going to extend Guillaume? There's been all this Lindor chat, Jordan. He's old news. Extend Guillaume. Okay. For real, for real, though, 
I think this is the greatest spring training moment of all time. And it's because I think this moment really represents what makes spring training good and unique. I don't need, you know, actual intensity in spring training. As a fan, I'm ramping up in the same way that players are ramping up. I'm not ready for actual stakes to be had. But in this situation, it's just the perfect level of intense, but also goofy. Uh, and it doesn't actually matter. All of that together, it, it's it's incredibly gripping. It's it's a viral moment. There's so many things in it to think about, but it's also just like completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. No one gets hurt. Everyone's involved. The teams were into it. Just It's just a great baseball moment. Yes. And, you know, in general, long at bats are a great, baseball thing there's no limit he could have kept he maybe he is still there standing there fouling pitches off and we don't we don't know yet right these at bats can technically go on forever if they just keep falling off there's no rule that says they can't right and so because of that there is this this notion of of impossibility same thing with extra innings you realize like oh like this game could just go on for another five hours there's nothing stopping it and with when you have an at bat like this where it's foul ball after foul ball after foul ball you do have this weird thing where it's like oh man like I want it to keep going. I want another Forever. foul ball. I need it. And you could tell by the the Mets dugout reaction. Of, of course, we got that epic reaction from Dom Smith. In fact, I don't know, watching it back, it seemed like part of the reason why Dom was so shocked was that he, I think on ball three, he thought it was ball four by that point, but it was still only ball three. <laughs> so Amazing. He was like, wait a minute, we're still going. Like, he thought he had drawn the walk at like pitch 15 or something, but no, they kept on going. What other little parts of it, watching it back, and I'm sure we've all watched a video of it, uh, are your favorite parts of the actual like visual of, of this, this back and forth? I just liked how similar most of the foul balls were. Just yes. most of them were either him like fouling it off the other way because he was late on it or rolling over on an off-speed pitch down the first baseline. And that was it. Those were the two. That was it. That was the whole thing. Jordan, uh, what I really loved about it, during quarantine, during COVID, I, like many others, have struggled to consume content, like fictional content with high stakes. Mm -hmm. Like movies where, mm -hmm. you know, the world needs to be saved or there are like lives on the line. When we're living in a hellscape, I don't want the media that I consume all the time to have high stakes accompanying to that, right? Right? Like, I watched all of American Vandal during quarantine, where it's like the stakes in that are so relatively low, and it's like a nice reprieve from what we're going through. Same thing with the Great British Baking Show. Mm. Same thing with like Blown Away. Like, that's the content I want. Oh, yeah. And in baseball, a lot of the time, the stakes are really high, mm -hmm. Right. And, and during the regular season, during the playoffs, the stakes are so high. And what this Guillaume-Hicks interaction was, was a low-stakes refreshment that just, it was exactly what I needed. I didn't need a drama. I didn't need an action movie. I needed, like, a high school, like, rom-com to just quench the palate. Mm -hmm. And that's what this was. Mm -hmm. But, Jordan, I, I want to ask you a question, and then we can move on. I would say that it is certainly a skill to have long at-bats, and it is certainly a valuable skill to have long at-bats. How re repetitive or, you know, yeah, I guess how, like, repetitive of a skill this actually is is up for debate. But let me ask you this question. How many 22-pitch, we'll say 20, how many 20-pitch at-bats does Luis Guillorme need to have in spring training for him to start on opening day for the New York Mets? <laughs> 
is there a number? If Luis Guillorme goes out in spring training, let's say the rest of spring training, and only has 20 pitch at bats, the rest of spring training, he has to start on opening day. Right. What's the number? You, you would definitely, you definitely start. Okay, so if, if this is a skill that you can repeat, what, is, what does this skill mean? This skill means this batter is guaranteed to tax the opposing pitcher 20 pitches, right? In, in, in its most simple terms, right? And if you know that for sure, that would be something that would be extremely valuable to deploy. Although I might argue would probably be more valuable later in the game than, than, uh, than maybe in the first inning when, we would, when he would be starting it. Now, to answer your question, how many more times would he have to show it? To pro- Let's just say he can prove it. Let's just jump to the fact that it's like, okay. I have this skill. I can do 20 pitch at-bats. That is the thing that I can do regularly, right? He proves that. The Mets believe it. We all say, yes, this is what right, Luis like- Guillermo does. Let's say like every five at bats, every ten at bats, he does a twenty pitch at bat. It's a twenty pitch at bat. Okay. Okay. It's right. not every time. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to roster that guy, especially yes. because he's a great defender. Yes. Yes. Does he uh, start over like Jeff McNeil or JD Davis? Like, oh yeah, I'd start him over JD Davis just very quickly. Very quickly. I'd, I'd put him <laughs> at second and have McNeil at third. That would that would be no no hesitation. No, I think this is the kind of skill. That, yeah, if you could repeat it and guaranteed to use it, whether he gets on base or not, again, you're guaranteed to tax 20 pitches on the opposing pitcher. Like, think about how valuable that would be if you're even coming in relief, like to lead off an inning against the closer. Do you know how freaking that, how awesome that'd be, whether it's an out or not? And now you've got, you know, Lindor and Pete coming up facing a closer who's already thrown 20 pitches instead of five. Like, I think it could be deployed in all kinds of fun ways. Now, let me ask you this, Jordan. Luis Guillorme, his career line, 259 batting average, which is yeah. higher than I thought, 343 OBP, 341 slug. So not a lot of power. Okay. Yeah. If he goes out and does that line in a full season and has a 20 pitch at bat once a game, is he the MVP? <laughs> is he the MVP? No. But again, okay. more okay. than happy to have okay. him. On the team. Yeah. Okay. Next question. If he goes zero zero zero, doesn't get a hit the entire year, mm-hmm. and every at bat is a twenty pitch at bat that he has, is he the MVP? Literally every at bat, six hundred plate appearances, <laughs> every single one is twenty pitches. Doesn't get a hit. Is he the MVP? No, but again, at that point, is he the, is, okay. Fifty pitch at bat. Every at bat he has <laughs> is a fifty pitch at bat. Doesn't get a hit the whole year. He's the MVP. Uh, you're telling me he is. You're saying you're I now think trying he to. Is. Okay, so you're saying okay, Bobby Wagner. You're you are here. guaranteed this... a 50 pitch at bat from Luis Guillorme every time he walks up to the plate. Every time, yeah, you would be ruining the other team's pitching staff. That's what I'm beyond, saying. That's yeah. an MVP, especially that's, in the Mets lineup. If you put Guillorme in the Orioles lineup, it's like whatever. But on the Mets, yo, the funniest thing. Hold on, hold on. The funniest thing about this idea is that like teams facing the Mets. <laughs> You're literally game planning around Yorme, unlike any other anything ever hitter in baseball history, right? Even at 20, you pitches. probably walk him. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, how, how you, you have is he now becoming automatic walk? Okay, Bobby Wagner, you are a resident Mets fan. I don't. I actually, honestly, have no idea what you've thought about Luis Yorme uh, before this season, before this moment. So you're looking at us like we're crazy. What do you think, or is Jake onto something here? No, uh, Jake's not, definitely not onto something. You can't get not get a hit and win the MVP. That's let's just say uh, that, dude. 
teams would definitely 50 walk pitches. in. 50 pitches is a lot of pitches, but I don't... Okay, does Denny's, war does, ca- calculate in pitches? Well, space? it should now. This is... <laughs> if it's that... If you're if you're tiring out that many pitching staffs, like, I think you should be. But okay. I hope anyway. Fangraphs and Baseball Reference are listening to this. Um, yes. I, I To answer your question about how many 20-pitch at-bats you would need to have for the rest of spring training to start on opening day. I think he's already there. Start him. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. He's proven it. If he's you get deep it. on Mets Twitter, like if you go into the replies of that that tweet when MLB sent it out, people are like, gotta start, gotta start, gotta, gotta start. start him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh listen, I and by the way, we should we have to mention this is already a man who caught a flying bat in the Port St. Lucie dugout during spring training. Uh, Who needs to ago. extend the netting when you have Luis Guillermo? <laughs> oh, wait, Gurman. every team. Yes, every oh, team. wait, no, actually. Extend the netting. Uh, but uh, yeah, this was this was absolutely amazing. And, and one more thing we, we have to say about this is also Jordan Hicks. Holy shit. Like, Jordan Hicks looks great. <laughs> coming out looks great. in his first appearance since Tommy John when supposedly you're easing back into things and throwing six pitches over 100 miles an hour is otherworldly he is a freak and i'm excited to have him back in my life too but does he miss bats apparently does not he jordan miss bats? <laughs> he missed that with the not. second pitch he should have just sequenced it different you know yeah, should have thrown two fastballs and then the slider i know okay here's the last thing i'm going to say about Luis guillerme i'm going to ask people smarter than me this question i believe Luis guillerme if he went zero 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 the whole year and every pitch was a 20 pitch at bat, he would win the MVP or deserve the MVP. 20 pitch at bat, every doesn't get a hit. 20 pitch at bat, deserve the MVP and win the MVP is a different question. Mm-hmm. I'd vote that's, for him. That's true. That's teams, <laughs> teams would definitely start intentionally walking him. It would go, yeah. Guier- it would go Luis Guillerme and then. Uh, Ryan Whoever Spera. hits behind him because it's just the next Guillerme person up would just be. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, this is a good question, and we should have someone on who can do this. I'm gonna call like Mike Petriello, and he'll run the numbers. Calling Mike Petriello, baseball bar graph brain. All right, hi. We're recording. Hey, Mike Petriello. Uh, oh, we're wow. welcoming it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just play along. You're, you're, you're gonna be okay. So we're we're on we're recording our pod right now and we're having a discussion about Luis Guillorme. Yeah. Okay. And I made the claim that if Luis Guillorme had a 20 pitch at bat, every at bat, every plate appearance, and hit 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, he should win the MVP award. Do you have a thought as to you being the smart statistical stat guy? what his overall value would be if every plate appearance, every single one, he was guaranteed at least 20 pitches, never got a hit, played good Luis Guillorme defense the whole year. How long do you think he'd stay in the lineup if he was hitting literally zero? How many such 20-pitch plate appearances would he receive? Well, this Uh, is our point. Now, I'm skeptical about Jake's MVP claim, but what I do buy is that if there was actually a player who could guarantee to tax 20 pitches from an opposing pitcher every time, that would seem to be very valuable. Now, I don't know if pitches per plate appearances is baked into war or whatever. It no, is not. That it is not. Okay, so... Should I, be! I, God damn it! <laughs> but I'm saying... Yeah, and I know that the leaders are usually right between five and six 
or six or so pitches per plate appearance and like, great. Okay, that's good. But now we're guaranteeing 20. I mean, think Every about statistics, like strategically, if you're facing a Luis Guillorme team and you know, oh no, if I'm going to bring in this pitcher to face Luis Guillorme, he's going to throw 20 pitches. That could totally change my bullpen plans for the whole week. Like that seems like a pretty valuable weapon. Here's the part of this you guys aren't considering. And that's that at a certain point, um, the fans, the media, and potentially his own teammates would kill him because Watching a 20 or 22 pitch plate appearance once is like, hey, that's kind of cool. Watching it more than once is excruciating. Like, I know this is, you always talk about Alex Cora with his 18 pitch plate appearance or whatever. I don't want that. Like, I actually never want that. I don't want to be like the old uncool, like that wasn't fun. It was fun once. It was fun in spring. Um, But no, in general, that's terrible. I don't want that. Right. No, it would be miserable. Uh, Listen, we're not saying like, oh, this would be so fun. This would be my favorite player. We're talking sheer value, Petriello. We're going. Does he win the MVP? Does he deserve no, the MVP? Absolutely not. No. <sighs> okay. So I, you listen, don't. I, I see the argument, right? So let's let's say you start him. Let's say you lead him off, right? And it's against I don't know Aaron Nola or somebody who's very good. And you you know Aaron Nola then gets through the next two guys because clearly you've let off with an out, so that's a good start. <laughs> so he gets through the next two guys with I don't know ten more pitches. Thirty. 30 pitches in the first. 30 pitches in the first inning. Yeah, I, I think the way you'd have to think about it is he can't get an out literally every single time. You know, there's like a bottom floor to okay. where that that is acceptable, well, but literally zero? Come on. Right, maybe there's we a give point him like- where teams are walking him too. Like if he does the skill enough and like you can't afford 20 pitches, you're just going to put him on base. Well, I think I think they would have to, right? I mean, just to <laughs> right? be obnoxious. But on the other hand, what if they see him coming up and it's not like a lead off the game situation, or maybe it is. And you're like, well, since he's got this weird skill that is guaranteed, like there's no mystery here. I absolutely know what's going to happen based on the insane rules that Jake has come up with. Um, I'm not going to pitch my best pitcher against him. Here comes my last man out of the bullpen. Uh, Let that dude eat 20 pitches. And then I don't care. Yeah. Producer Bobby said you just bring in the position player to face gear. It's exactly right. But then you can't have him bat first. You have him bat second. What? (laughs) <laughs> Again, this would be a terrible outcome that would not be fun for baseball. You guys would be does, murdering baseball here. I, I, okay, I'm aware. I'm aware, Mike. But Mike, Mike, okay, does he start on the Mets with this skill? Maybe not MVP. Does he start on the Mets with that skill? On the current Mets, I guess, you know, obviously not over McNeil or Lindor. Are you going to put him at over third J.D. Base Davis? Over Davis? Mm. Now mm. we're saying he's still a very good fielder. Like that skill. He's Luis Guillorme. He's Luis Guillorme. Can I ask you guys a, a separate but related question? How cool okay. is it that Luis Guillorme like does this amazing thing in spring that gets him all sorts of play? And it is not even close to being the coolest thing Luis Guillorme has ever done in spring training. I, I totally know. disagree with you. <laughs> no. I think it's way cooler than no. the bat. Uh, no, the bat catching thing, just because he catch- looks so nonchalant and badass. And he's like, yeah, caught a bat. So what? The, the bat catch, What going back and watching that on Sunday, it's not the catch, it's that he throws it back towards the field after the way that he throws it back towards the field. Like, Hey, I got here. Sorry. I caught your bat. It's, Take it back. it's that, but it's also the other dudes in the, the dugout are like scrambling to protect themselves. And he barely moves a muscle. And he's just like, you can't win the MVP with bad catches though. You can with, you, you also can't numbers. win it with a line of zero, okay. zero, zero. Let me ask you this, Mike, just, I know that you, you're a smart math man. Run this up the chain. Call the the number crunchers over it at MLB. Get them on the horn. And I I feel good that 20 pitch at bat guaranteed Luis Guillorme wins the MVP. 
Yeah, the, the way you'd actually want to approach it, I think, is like you'd have to go figure out what that does to the rest of the pitcher's outing, right? Yeah. Like you either get him out three batters early and that brings in a worse pitcher or you leave him in for like the third and a half time through and that makes him worse. But again, it's kind of like, how do you deploy him? Is it is it better right. to have him leading off against a good starter? Or no, I say you, 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 you bring him in late. Well, and, that's and what I'm saying. Like, oh, here comes yeah. Josh Hader, right? Okay. Well, here's my here's my anti-Josh Hader weapon. <laughs> okay. Luis and bring in a lefty to face Josh Hader. Wait, wait, This is a strange okay. matchup. Last point, and then we're going to let you go, Mike, and finish the rest of our pod. There is a number where it is worth it, where he is the MVP. So, like, in the world, There's I not. want you to sail down the river with me here. In theory, forget the time constraints. If Luis Guillaume is guaranteed in a hundred pitch at bat every time, a hundred pitches, he's the MVP. A hundred pitches. You're ruining like three pitchers every time he comes up to the plate. Uh, and by the ninth, you're facing okay. position players. So a hundred pitches. Let's say you start him that day. Let's say you lead him off, and so he gets four to maybe five plate appearances. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the number of like total pitches in a regular game is. I think it's like two hundred and seventy-five or somewhere thereabouts. But if you have him in, now we're up to like seven hundred pitches in a four-hour and fifty-minute game. This is like Sam Miller's yeah. "What if a baseball game went forty innings?" story. Like yeah, this would just exactly. ruin the entire sport. I, it's, I, I like. I like thinking like. It's like, oh, oh, the Mets are playing a 7 p.m. game. Oh, Yorme's leading off. I don't have to get there till 7.45. A <laughs> hundred pitches. So, it, yeah, you're right. You'd have to hit him second. You couldn't hit him leadoff because then they would right. just bring in like a nobody. And then you're right. They would probably just say, screw it. Just like take the four, man. Uh, like go off. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> oh, then man. you're just dealing with Barry Bonds. But I, but, but I, then I, his that, line would not be zero zero zero, right? So okay, then his well, line going to be OBP. like. Forget the OBP. It, no hits. Okay. Well, if he, I mean, if his OBP is like zero five hundred zero, that's still a terrible player. But a hundred pitches every time. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I think he's the MVP. Maybe I'm wrong. I might ask Twitter. You know, because yeah, Twitter's always right. Yeah, yeah, you might be wrong. I think you might be wrong. But I appreciate I appreciate Mike <laughs> Petriello always ready to give us some some hardcore analysis. Uh, Mike, I thanks for joining. Appreciate us. the total lack of notice and uh, the fact always. that you let me finish stuffing a burrito in my face before I came on camera. <laughs> I will always give you no notice, Mike. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, guys. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Enough Luis Guillermo chat. I'm sure that's what we all thought we were going to be saying when we recorded this podcast last week. (laughs) Mookie Betts was in GQ this morning. (laughs) But fuck it. Luis Guillermo forever. All right. uh, All right, Jordan. Let's talk about Bobby. Let's talk about uh, Bobby W., we should say. Uh, No, Bobby Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, uh, we are not talking about you. Although, if you want to chime into this, since you are a Bobby W. yourself, you can chime in. He's just a big participant in the group chat, you know? He's very active in the group chat. The Bob Dubs. Dropping reaction gifts all the time. I'm like, Bobby got chilled. Although, as far as I know, Bobby, you are not uh, a Bobby W. Jr., is that correct? No, I'm not. We're going to talk about Bobby Wood Jr., the Royals' top prospect who uh, has had some kind of spring training. Uh, I've honestly been kind of shocked at how much playing time he's received in this spring training for a Royals team that has plenty of young infielders that need to play. But I've been certainly enjoying it. Uh, of course, Bobby Wood Jr., the son of former Texas Rangers uh, pitcher Bobby Witt. He uh, was the number two overall pick, uh, I believe, two years ago behind uh, what was the guy who? Oh, yeah. Adley Rushman. Adley Rushman. Adley Rushman. Okay, that's good. We know Adley is still good. But to see Bobby Witt Jr., who uh, I believe is still only 19 years old, uh, come into Major League Spring Training and hit, I, I think, a 480 foot home run at uh, 20 years old. He, he's 20 years old. He'll be 21 this June. Uh, it's hit a 480 foot home run. He's played some great defense. He's had some crazy base running. And it's the kind of talent that reminds you, like, oh, uh, Rebuilds like the Royals can really start to look a lot better when you suddenly have a holy shit dude a lot closer mm-hmm. to the majors than you think, right? When you look at the Royals roster and the stuff that they've done, and we've commended them for adding some decent major leaguers to be competent this year, even though we don't expect them to contend necessarily. These are the kind of players where you're like, especially hitters, where you're like, okay, now you slot in an automatic all-star at the age of 22. Now we're now we're in business. And uh, for Royals fans, uh, I know it's been kind of ugly the last few years. Not that they didn't win a World Series recently, but pretty freaking exciting. And I'm I'm impressed. I am officially impressed with Bobby Witt Jr. I think there are, I have two takeaways from the Bobby Witt Jr. show. Okay. One is what are we as an industry or as baseball fans learning from Bobby Witt? We have no idea how consistently he will be able to hit big league pitching. We have not learned that this spring. I'm not trying to throw water on the fire here, and I'm going to explain in a second, but we cannot deduce that. And you can't really deduce that from anyone in spring training or anyone in the minors until they get to the big leagues. We never will know about the hit tool. But what we have seen from Bobby Witt is the possibility. There are a limited number of human beings on earth who can hit a ball 480 feet. There are a limited amount of people on the top 100 prospect lists who can hit a ball, you know, over 100 and whatever, 10 miles an hour. That's a limited amount of people. Right. And the fact that Bobby Witt is on that list of people who can be the best player in the world at one point, theoretically, is enough to get excited about him and is not like I'm, I'm not saying, you know, be wary about the hit tool, whatever, but like go crazy. This is fucking cool. These guys don't grow on trees. Yeah, where, would you, where would you yeah. slot Bobby Witt Jr. behind Luis Guillorme batting zero, 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 <laughs> taking 20 pitches every <laughs> single time? Oh, I, would man, Guillorme, I would take Guillorme. Yeah. yeah. It's still your May. Future value yeah. still, though, even though Bobby Wood hasn't been called up. I would take your May. Okay. I'll hang um, still your May. My second point about him is how the Royals are handling him. 
And I understand that the Royals' priority is not to placate their fan base by playing Bobby Witt Jr. The Royals' priority is the develop, or should be at least, team's priority, the development of their players to get the most out of them so that the players can be the best that they can be. But the Royals putting Bobby Witt on display in spring training for Royals fans who don't have a lot to like, haven't had a lot to love, is really awesome. It's great. You can tune in and watch the guy. Like, Royals fans are out there excited, like actively stoked about thinking about their baseball team. And like Adley has played a decent amount for the Orioles in spring training, not quite as much as Bobby Witt, but like it's, it's just, it must be invigorating for a fan base. It must be just the best feeling to just see this and to know that there might be hope on the horizon. Jordan, as an Orioles fan, the Baltimore Orioles selected Adley Rushman number one and passed on Bobby Witt Jr. I am not worried. And I know that this sounds like my I'm not worried shirt has people asking me questions about if I'm worried or not. I get that. There is obviously, when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, always going to be a level of skepticism. There's a track record of fucking this shit up, but I'm not worried. I have faith in Adley. I think Bobby Witt's going to be great. I think Adley's going to be great. I'm not worried. That's so, that's fine. I, I, Does this I, sound like a man who's not worried? <laughs> well, I will say it is it is a good point that that uh, the Royals don't have to do this, right? Like this dude, and you can say this about C.J. Abrams too with the Padres, and we know they don't need people playing shortstop anytime soon. The fact that they've played as much as they have, guys who have not even played in affiliate full season ball, they have not left the complex. They never made it to, to A ball even, or Abrams did briefly, is a testament to right. The team saying, listen, we're not going to ruin you if we go send you a big spring training for a few weeks. Like, go put on a show, do your thing, and you're going to go to A ball anyway, and then you'll probably crush it there, and it'll just be a normal thing. He, he'll be great. Adley will be great, and everyone will be great. Ideally, all the baseball players are good, and we never have to worry about you know draft busts or anything. And it doesn't usually work. Never that been way, a draft but, uh, bust. There's never been a draft bust. Never. No, it's never happened. Uh, all right, Jake. We have uh, a couple more topics before we get to our our uh, a our game of. <laughs> We're going to put our, our Stanley Yelnats pants on. We're going to play golf. And, and uh, Oh, okay. We were making different jokes there. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what happened on Monday afternoon in Lubbock, Texas. Monday afternoon in Lubbock, Texas. Who gives a shit? What's going on there? Okay, UConn was taking on Texas Tech. Uh, oh, who cares about that? Whatever. We don't, we don't care about college baseball. You guys keep talking about that. All right, something happened in this game that, as far as we know, and with the help of the great Sarah Langs, has basically never happened in Major League history which is that Texas Tech down 8-6 to six in the bottom of the 10th to UConn went Homer, 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 adios. That's going to do it. You Huskies can head on back up to Connecticut with a brutal walk-off loss. Back-to-back-to-back home runs to win the game. And this is uh, the kind of baseball comeback that was is so, um, I would say, probably demoralizing for everyone involved on the other side because... When you're, you know, leading, especially in extras, you've already made it to extras, and now you've taken the lead in extras, right? You're feeling good. You got the momentum back, especially in the 10th. You're feeling great. And, like, when you give up that home run, the first one, you're thinking, well, okay, well, it's good we have this two-run cushion. Like, all I got to do is just, like, not allow. And it's a solo homer, right? It's a rally killer. It's not like they're building something here, okay? First homer goes. All right, now the second home run goes. Now the game's tied again. 
when that third ball goes over the fence, I mean, how do you how do you react? Like, I mean, it's one of those things where you start to think like, this was just meant to be. I had no, there was nothing that was going to happen that was not going to be three home runs in this inning. But what was your reaction to this back to back to back madness? Omne trium perfectum. Hmm. Tell me what that means. In Latin, which I speak, that means everything that comes in threes is perfect. Three is the magic number. Jack Johnson wrote a whole song about it. The rule of three. Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Mm -hmm. Mama, Papa, and baby bear. Mm -hmm. Things that happen in threes are more appealing to the senses. This has been proven throughout history. Omne trium perfectum. There is something beautiful about three home runs back to back to back to end a ball game. Two home runs is too quick. Four home runs is too many home runs. Too many home runs. Too many home runs. Three in a row, right hook, left hook, right in the fucking face. Thanks for coming and playing. UConn goes into the bottom of that inning. We're up two runs. We're chilling. Then, boom. Omne trium perfectum. We will see you later. Thank you for coming out to play. Literally never happened before. There was something so clean about this. That is, there's no outs in between. No base runners. I think the whole thing happened on what? Six pitches? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. You're, now you lose. The, the larger point I want to make about this is You lose. That, Good day. That, that I, I think we've experienced a lot uh, in the early part of the college baseball season. And is, I think, a big reason to, to watch uh, college baseball. And this definitely applies to softball, arguably even more uh, at the Division I level, which is that the best teams, unlike this, this sometimes happens in Major League Baseball with a team like the Dodgers. The Dodgers have this sense, they had this sense, especially uh, like two years ago when they won like 110 games. I know even when they did win the World Series, they had this sense of inevitability and they just had like, you know, a bunch of, remember that, that weekend when they had three rookie walk-offs in the same weekend? And you just had the sense that no matter what the score was, going to the bottom of the ninth, the best team is going to win. And in college baseball, there is this feeling when it, a top team like Texas Tech is facing a non-top team like UConn, a perfectly good team, right, that it almost doesn't matter what the score is, the better team will prevail and those fans will be having a good time, right? Not that upsets are impossible and not yeah. that there aren't cool things, but we saw it with Arkansas against Louisiana Tech. There's just like this thing, this feeling where it's just like, it doesn't matter. Like you're facing one of the best teams in the country, you're screwed. We're going to hit a home run. Like that's just going to happen in a way that does not, almost does not exist at the professional level and is, is a very, very powerful thing when you watch college baseball. There are just so much more, te- so many more teams that college baseball is the perfect kind of, experimental cauldron that leads to this thing. It's like, okay, so if you are a person like me, right, and you watch Game of Thrones, you're like, this is sweet. But if you're like, you know, like Jason Concepcion and you like read all the books and like, you know, every last like dragon's nickname, like that universe is so much larger to you and there's so many more different things that you can take from it, right? And to me, that's college baseball. Have I read the Game of Thrones books? Absolutely not. Will I? Probably never. But I think it's still an applicable metaphor. Uh, all right, Jake, we have a few more pieces of news that we want to get to. Um, do we want to talk? You know what? Let's stay in Texas before we talk about my league okay. rules. Uh, okay. let's, let's get a little, let's get a little serious here for a second. We don't have to go too deep on this, but let's be very clear. The news that the Texas Rangers are going to be at hundred percent capacity on opening day is patently ridiculous, irresponsible, embarrassing, uh, reckless, 
and really insulting to a lot of people. Now, the fact that we are going to have fans, I think officially now, now that the Nats got approved, there will be fans in every park on opening day, some amount, right? Nats are going to have, I think, 5,000. Most teams are going, you know, 10% capacity, maybe up to 20% capacity. We know what fans look like in Texas. We've seen it in these college baseball tournaments. We saw it in the World Series. The World Series, there were about 12,000 fans, about 25% capacity. To go and about 1,000 yeah, masks. And about 1,000 masks, exactly. To go to 100% is so. And by the way, then to go back to social distance seating for the rest of the series. That's the thing. That's the biggest thing here is yeah. that it's only 100% capacity on opening day and then the Rangers are going back to less than 100, which right. is in itself an acknowledgement that 100% capacity is maybe not the best move in the world. Look, the Rangers can have one super spreader event as a little treat. Just no. one though. The Rangers yeah. employees get to have the super spreader event, Bobby. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's, I that's not the, the big uh, owner man in the box. That's for damn sure. Look, it's, it is, we're almost done with this goddamn thing. We're so close. Like you could, you could smell the end of this thing. And it's just a level of superiority here that I find hard to swallow. Look, we all want it to be over. We all want to have a hundred percent capacity. I'm at a point now where I'm like, pretty comfortable with like 10% capacity in a lot of these major league games. Like I, I think and, and okay. I, well, and I feel very grateful that we've even gotten to that point. Right. If you told yeah. me that even two months ago, we said that was going to be crazy. We probably said on this podcast two months ago that having fans on opening day was crazy, but like now, yeah, there's probably a way to do it. This is not it. Right. This if, is not it. There's a, they're the only team doing it. Only team doing it. And like, if you're the Rangers, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, why are we the only team doing this? You know, and our, our buddy Bradford William Davis wrote a story. New York Daily News about like Rangers employees being like, ah, no, because there's going to be confrontation because people aren't going to want to wear masks. And when people are distanced, the masks are slight are slightly less important if you're sitting 10 feet away from someone else. But in a packed stadium, you know, when I'm right. squeezing in next to someone next to me, I don't know, just yeah. bums me out. It's frustrating. It's not a good vibe. Um, and it's not totally shocking because the Rangers have sort of sufficiently showed their ass over the last calendar year during the pandemic. More okay. times than not. All right. Uh, let's move forward. Let's talk. Let's distance about. ourselves socially from that conversation. Yes. Let us please do that. Uh, let's talk about something that I believe came out uh, very shortly after our podcast last week, um, second half of last week, which is that we're going to be having some new rules in the minor leagues this year. By the way, remember minor league baseball? Holy shit, we're going to have minor league baseball back. That alone yeah. is very exciting and I hope is actually going to happen. But... Uh, there was no leak. There was no report saying, oh, MLB discussing some possible thing." Nope. It was just like, hey, here are the rules. MLB just them. dropped the strain, Jordan. They just yeah, pretty they much. dropped, <laughs> they dropped they, the they, rules. They just were like, here it is. This is what uh, minor league baseball and how it's going to work this year. And uh, we wanted to run through these. Now, listen, I know a lot of people have already uh, talked about these uh, over the last week. Uh, some of these are rules that I think we've already kind of talked about in the past, whether it's involving the shift whether it's involving pitch clocks. Now, these concepts are not necessarily new, but we did want to at least address them a little bit on here. Um, so we can we can go pretty quickly. But I uh, Yeah, I want to give a quick overview here just before we start. Rule changes in baseball, I think, uh, highlight the differences in what various fans see as fundamentally important to them in the game of baseball. If a rule change takes out what is inherently baseball about the baseball, 
that is going to bug one fan more than another fan. And I think that's something that we'll see here and how we maybe see these rules slightly different than Bobby does um, or me versus you, Jordan. And the way that I approach any rule changes is like some of rule changes to move our game forward are fine and they're good. And I, I like that MLB is willing to experiment with these at the minor league level. I have no real problem with it as a whole. Some of the rules I have individual issues with, if they fundamentally change the way that baseball is going to be played in my understanding of what I love about baseball. So, and, and which is different is, than you, which is different than Bobby, which is different than Rob Manfred. Exactly. And the other thing is, is like, these are being experimented with for a reason. Like there's a chance that some of these, they institute them and the players are like, this is ridiculous. There's going to be consequences to some of these rules that we haven't even thought of yet. Um, and there's a lot of very smart things being written about them and the pros and cons of them. And that's good. And that, not that analysis isn't worthwhile, but, uh, it's good that it's happening in the minors. They're not instituting these in the majors immediately. We're not asking for that. Of course, that's not how it should work. But uh, we do think it's probably pretty reasonable to do some of these things. All right. AAA. The bases are getting bigger. Does that matter? Love it. Love it. Sure. Great. Whatever. You're not going to notice. No, The players are noticed. No if, fans are going to notice. If, if you're a baseball this in- fan and you're fucking pissed off about the big bases, <laughs> I don't get what what's up. If they If they hadn't told us, no one would have noticed. Maybe if you're pissed off about like, oh, the bases. Look if bigger. you're pissed off about the big bases, you're probably pissed off about something else too. Back in my day, the bases were three <laughs> inches by three inches, and we had to really put a perfect slide on that base to get in there. Bases safely. were Kids tiny, so like easy. bases were tiny, like Pluto, which used to be a planet as well. <laughs> All right, next <laughs> rule. <laughs> next rule. We're going. By the way, that's only in AAA. Uh, double A. Oh, I like big bases. I cannot lie. Hold on. Hold on. Here's the thing that I don't know. Sorry if I don't know this. I'm assuming that it doesn't, these aren't tiered. It's not like that the big bases are at every level of the minors. I'm pretty sure these are all so. separate. I don't think so. I think it doesn't it's like carry on yeah. down. Okay, double A. We're going down to double A now. They only have uh, one set of big bases. They have passed double A next year. Mm. <laughs> Teams will be required to position four players in the infield. Each player must have both feet in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. Uh, and then the second half of the season, MLB might uh, require teams to have two infielders on each side of the base. Uh, but we do not know if that will actually be a thing yet. So everyone being like, oh my God, they're banning the shift. That has not happened yet. We will see. <laughs> maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, you don't feel that strongly about this because we think the shift is generally kind of an overrated thing. It's fine. Thing to no, be no, no, no. It's, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily about banning. If I was the MLB overlord, would I institute this rule? No. Do I think that this rule is going to fundamentally change the way I enjoy, consume, and watch baseball? I also say no. And so for that reason, I can't get too fired up about it until I see how it actually plays out in real life. Mm-hmm. Yep. This version Sorry. of the rule change doesn't change anything. This is what I wanted to ask you guys. This is not what people are mad about, about the shift. No. They're mad about the second half. So the second half. Yeah. If, so when yeah. the other shoe drops, then people can be mad. But until that happens, like the right. guy who plays in shallow left just has to take three steps forward, which is not going to make a material difference on your life. So stop yelling. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's move down to uh, high A, where we have the step-off rule. Pitchers step will be required off! to step out. Step pitchers off! will be required to <laughs> disengage the rubber before attempting to pick a pickoff throw. Now, what is the, explain this to, to the non-pitchers out there, Jake. Why is this different than what they normally do? Okay, so I'm not totally sure what this means for left-handed pitchers because left-handed pickoff moves are slightly are incredibly different than right-handed pickoff moves. Lefties obviously are facing first and so they don't have to step off. They can kind of step towards first base and the Bach rules are a little bit different. I'm not sure if this applies to lefties or not. That remains to be seen. It's not really worded very clearly. I think the main 
difference this has is in terms of people picking off the second base where inside moves, where a pitcher lifts their leg and then twists over their plant leg towards second base to pick off the runner on second, those will essentially be banned. And the only way to pick the second is to kind of do the turn, the twist jump throw move to second base. This rule, like a lot of these rules, is meant to incentivize uh, aggressive base running. I have no huge problem with it. Um, as long as it doesn't completely alter the way lefties are allowed to do pickoffs, which we don't know yet. Let's stay on the pickoffs. In low A, uh, pitchers will only be allowed to step off twice per plate appearance. Any subsequent throwover must result in successfully retiring the runner, or it's a balk and the runner is awarded second base. Um, or I guess third base. Uh, or home. <laughs> that would be crazy if they're picking off third. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is one I think we like because anything that is, again, one of the most basic tenets of supposedly increasing action, which the, the league is trying to do, is to try and get stolen bases back in the game. Stolen bases are all but dead for a lot of reasons, partially because uh, the way that the game is played and because it's easy to hit home runs, it's not smart to steal because you're probably going to score anyway because your friend's probably going to hit home runs. So why are you going to risk stealing when catchers are throwing people out? And it's just, unless you're really, 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 really good at it, it is not worth the risk. Now, how do we incentivize them stealing more? Make it harder for pitchers to keep runners on. Great. That's fine. That sounds good to me. And if you shift the strategy back towards the catcher versus runner thing instead of the pitcher versus runner thing, which I know is part of it, and I know as a pitcher, you still work on that, and it doesn't mean that pitchers still can't work on their pickoff moves, but if it is incentivizing more stolen bases, it's just one of the most basic fun things in baseball, I'm all for it, and I think that's fine. I also think that this adds another layer of interesting strategy into the game that is more truncated and more... Uh, swift and abbreviated than the current pickoff strategy, which is, ha ha, I got you. Oh, nope, didn't get you. Yeah, and, and just keep going. Forever. Just throw over it's as different. many it's times It's interesting, as you want. it's new. Mm -hmm. All right, yep. is that it? No, there's one more, right? Uh, there's one more. Electronic strike zone. Robot umps are coming. This is something beep they've already bop, tested. Beep, bop, bop, they have strike. already tested it in the Arizona Fall League and the, in the Atlantic League, uh, in the Florida State League, essentially. Um, they're going to have an electronic strike zone. And again, for those of you who don't know how, it's possible that people who don't have not seen this, how this works, there is still an umpire back there. The umpire has an earpiece. What happens is the umpire stands there. And when, I, I, I don't know if it's an officially tracked man, whatever the sensor is, the ball, they get it, immediate feedback. I, they get a beep in their ear if it's a strike or whatever the hell it is. And they still signal. So you're still going to see, it's not like there's no plate, home, home plate umpire, because obviously still has to call, you know, runners safe and out at home. But that's the way that it works. Now, uh, there's a lot of reasons to not like this, <laughs> and there's also you can also understand why you do like this because there are the same people that are yelling about how bad Angel Hernandez is are also yelling that you know robot umps are bad. So you have to <laughs> realize that there are you know there's some nuance here. But you are sta staunchly against this. I am almost mo most not as harsh as you, but I'm mostly against it as well. Rob Manfred, watch I Robot. It doesn't go well for the humans. You're you're expediting the singularity here. Okay, we're mm. gonna have these like half robot, half human umpires, and then you know we're gonna get taken over. No, for real, for real. I don't love this. Um, I bad umpiring at like balls and strikes doesn't really bug me. The one of the things that I hate the most about baseball world. Not the most this is over an exaggeration, but like when people tweet like the game day game casts of balls and strikes 
on Twitter. I they hate did it. This. It drives They did I, this. Those people did this. I, I just want to say that. I hate it. Maybe this is a naive take. I believe that the baseball universe ends up even or like slightly more towards the Yankees. But like when we're all dead and the sun shrivels up and humanity no longer exists, Luis Guillermo like will still be fouling off pitches. He'll still be fouling off pitches. The totality of bad calls will end up relatively even. And obviously some of them will be more impactful in certain moments. And like, I think that kind of those flaws make baseball interesting that the um, like, I don't want umpires to fail. And most of them are really good at their jobs. I just think that adding robo umps would completely drastically change the way that baseball operates. I think that robo umps, you cannot institute them at the youth amateur level and you'll have a different style of play in a bad way that incentivizes certain types of play at the youth and amateur and college level than you'll have in the pros. Um, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm an old grouchy person at 25 years old, but I am anti-robo umps. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly with you. Uh, I, but unfortunately, like it's coming. I'm our, I'm already mentally accepted. it. I agree. There are a lot of things about it that are really shitty and I don't like, um, and it will change how just like, of course the strikes again, even if they perfect the the technology, right. That's, that's the first level, right. Is actually yeah. having the system that works. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of things to change. But I think the most important point is that it, is going to be a fundamentally different thing than every other level of baseball. And that is, that's weird and not, not, it just doesn't really work. I don't think, um, because it's in that sense, it it does become kind of a different sport, which I don't like, but, uh, I don't know. I think maybe I'm biased. Yeah. Maybe I'm biased because when I was a, a Chicago police detective, I was in a car accident and the robot umpire saved me instead of the little girl. Yeah. And I was forever, slighted towards robot umpires from that point forward. I would say you're definitely a little bit biased. But I would also say that... Uh, it me, I, Detective Spooner. I, I would also say, though, um, that, yes, to Bobby's point, stop complaining about the balls. This is what happens. Stop At, tweeting out Levi, the Levi Weaver, I love Levi you, man. Weaver. Please, please, please stop posting, oh, strike three, question mark, question mark, question Please. Please we like stop. you people. Please stop. It's a Rangers game in June. All right. Text it to your other friends who like that team. Yeah. I'm going to start posting photoshopped versions of oh. those where like I'll, I'll change the color of the ball oh, and I'll be so like, it's good. crazy that they called this a strike. It's like yeah. six feet outside. Exactly. People be like, yes, that's Bobby. That's what it feels like. It's just like. People are going to oh be like, this God. has gotten out of control. You know what? I, I don't want to be the people who complain about the complainers. Let's move forward, Jordan Schusterman. Let's, let's take right, a let's quick let, break, a quick let, breather. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to take a, a quick trip to the uh, little podcaster's room, and we will be right back after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Jordan, you and I both 
hate golf. Not our favorite sport in the world. We barely know anyone except for Ernie Els. But today we're going to play a little golf, Jordan. And what do I mean by that? We're we're looking for the holes. We're trying to get trying to find the holes in the baseball teams, Jordan. Do you want to explain to the listener my yeah. terrible intro? So again, we you know next week we'll do a much more thorough kind of breakdown of, of all thirty teams and, and where they stand entering the twenty twenty one season. But something that I think is often kind of discussed in spring training in the context of like position battles. Uh, oftentimes in those situations, it is uh, we have no one to play this position or we need someone to show up and actually be good at this position because we're a good team and we're anticipating this. And there are a few of those that, that we took note of, and this is not an exhaustive list. There are good teams with holes that we will not discuss, but there are a few that caught our eye. Uh, these are teams with postseason aspirations that have clear deficiencies on their roster. And what we're going to do is we're going to run through, uh, I believe, six of them. and we're going to say what how we would like to see these holes be filled. These are not necessarily the most likely, but this is what we would like to see. We're going to try to keep it relatively realistic, um, but this is how we're we're going to try and try and solve these these problems for these teams uh, as best we can. Who I'll be your Yelnats. Jordan will be your zero. Yes, yeah, there you go. Well said. Uh, who would you like to begin with? Let's begin with the Chicago White Sox who spent the offseason kind of getting better, definitely getting better, but maybe not better enough. There is a half of a hole at designated hitter. Last year, that was Edwin Encarnacion. He was sneaky awful. He remains a free agent. Uh, Jose Abreu coming off the MVP season, he's going to play first. And they they got rid of Nomar Mazar. There's not really someone to play DH, except for Andrew Vaughn, top prospect, who has been absolutely kicking ass in spring training so far, but is unlikely to start the season in the big leagues with the club due to manipulative reasons. Jordan, is this a real hole? How would you go about filling it? Now, I would say it's a little bit less dire considering, obviously, we saw last year, the White Sox can score runs apparently without a DH. But yeah. like, it is one of those things that, and I, I've always thought this in, in recent years when you look at the best AL teams that have shitty DHs, it's like, this should be the gimme. Like, you don't need this person to play defense. Just find someone who can freaking rake. How hard could it be? And there are still some of these teams that just have shitty DHs. So the fact, so for me, do they need it? I just feel like this could put them way over the top. This is why White Sox fans were like, holy shit, just sign Nelson Cruz. We'll have the best DH and also, you know, bury the twins at the same time. That's such a no-brainer. They didn't want to shell out the cash for that. It sounds like it's because they do believe in Andrew Vaughn. But if you believe in Andrew Vaughn and you just want to have dope-ass Andrew Vaughn from the jump, just do it, man. This is this isn't the kind of player that is going to be really that much better in six years when you're trying to manipulate the service. I mean, you're the White Sox. You want to win now. You have yeah. World Series aspirations. He's absolutely your best option. He's the kind of guy that is as good now as he'll probably be in five years. Like this is it. He's he's ready. He can help you. The pressure is not going to be on him to like bat third or fourth like some other top prospects when they come up. Bat him seventh, and you have probably maybe a top three lineup in baseball that you don't if you don't already have it already. And if you're going to ignore Jordan and leave him in the minors, just go sign Yohannes Cespedes instead. All right, Jordan, moving forward, uh, a team that was busier than any team has ever been during the offseason, the San Diego Padres, in a weird way, I don't want to say it's a hole. It's a hole. They don't really have a closer. They have Mark Melanson, who alternates years being incredible and very terrible. 
mm-hmm. uh, is as reliable as unreliable, reliable gets. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to start the year as a closer. It might be Drew Pomerantz. It might be Emilio Pagan. It might be a mishmash of all of those guys. It might be someone we've never heard of. But as far as the contenders go, it is the biggest question mark in terms of closer that we've yeah. really got right now. Who yeah. is their closer? I would like it. Man, that's hard. So, then, I mean, they also signed Keone Kella. I mean, he's a headache in a whole whole bunch of ways, but like he's closed before. Then you have just this weird, you know, like you said, mishmash of like young, exciting guys, the Morahones, the Michelle Baez, the like, I mean, even Alta Villas of the world. I think Melanson will end up being the guy, at least in the first half of the season, just because he, while his stuff is not nearly what it used to be, like he is clearly the dude that's not going to shit his pants, right? And if you're going to, while there is, there are plenty of guys on the staff with way better stuff than Mark Melanson, I feel like he's the one where he's not going to be worried coming in, saving games against the Dodgers. Like that's not something that he's going to be concerned about. Whereas if you want to go the route of, of maybe one of the younger guys that throws harder, uh, I would just be a little bit more concerned, but I don't know. And it feels like they'd prefer to use Pomerantz in sort of a longer relief role anyway. So ready for a fun scenario. Oh, what is this? Right before the All-Star break. Padres haven't really figured that closer situation out. Ooh, what's going on in the NL East? Ooh, the Mets are killing it. Oh, Philly's sneaky good. Braves, obviously good. Oh, looks like the Nats suck. Oh, Nats have a good closer and a one-year deal. Who's that? Brad Hand dealt back to the Padres to be their closer for the stretch run in the postseason. So I'm that saying. makes all kinds of sense. All kinds of sense. I'm for it. But I would bet that it is Melanson, and I, I like Melanson. I like Melanson. All right, let's move down south to Houston. Let's go to Houston. The Houston Astros, they still have postseason aspirations. I would still say they're the favorite in this division, no matter how many superstars and no matter how many home runs Shohei Otani's hitting in Anaheim. Uh, and I think Oakland had a bad offseason, as we've said. I think the Astros are still the favorite. Now, the starting rotation was looking real dire. We know they don't have Verlander. They lost Framber Valdez. My beloved Framber is out for at least the first month or so. But they signed Jacob Rizzi. They still have McCullers and Granke. So we're going to talk not about the pitching. We're going to talk about center field. Center field, who is currently slated to start in center field for the Houston Astros? Because I'm pretty sure it's not George Springer. Uh, I would say, Jordan, it is a straw man. Oh, you're really a straw man? You're, you're, you're bringing up straw man? I hate when people do this. Hate it. Uh, Miles Straw is currently slated to be the Astros center fielder, probably which considering how much Astros baseball we've all been forced to watch in the postseason the last couple of years, definitely not a household name. Uh, He is kind of a speedy dude, can go and get it, not a lot of pop, and he's probably just going to hit ninth and start the year as Astros center fielder, which like good for him. Yeah, he is a one of the stranger just profiles, I would say in baseball right now. I mean, it's the style of player that barely exists anymore. If you've looked at like DJ LeMahieu's spray chart and it's like, wow, he really only hits the opposite field. Miles Straw literally only hits. I mean, there there is nothing. If you look at his minor league spray charts, it is just all to right center, right center, right center, right center. And he is one of the fastest players in baseball, which is why he's a good center fielder. Um, And yeah, like it's kind of crazy that it's fallen off. And now this dude with, you know, a career 649 OPS in the majors in 98 games is going to be the starting center fielder for a team with, you know, divisional aspirations. But hey, give it a shot. What do you like, want to happen? Do you, you want it to be Miles Straw? I do just because like, I want to see what a full season of Miles Straw looks like. I think he has had some quotes saying like, 
I'm going to lead the lead in stolen bases. Like, I'm going to do that. Like, if you let me play, I will lead the lead in stolen bases. And that's the kind of guy that, again, we need more of. So that's fine with me if he's batting nine. Give me Chaz McCormick, mm. Astros. He's a uh, farmhand guy. He is from D2 Division II Millersville Marauders in Pennsylvania. He's been crushing in the upper minors. Uh, and we haven't had a Chaz in the big leagues for a while. And I'm I'm pro Chaz. That's true. Chaz McCormick was bizarrely on the postseason yeah. roster for the first round for the Astros, despite having never made his major league debut and never got in a game. So, which is a very uh, weird list of players. So uh, he will certainly debut at some point. I'm sure he will play, but uh, I'm I'm rooting for the straw man. I, I am. Okay. I, I actually You're am. a straw and, man and I'm team Chaz. All right. And, and sel- sorry, selfishly as a Mariners fan, it's one fewer Astro that I'm worried about hitting a home run against the Mariners. That's nice. So, so that, I, that I appreciate. Yeah, that's nice. He will at least not hit a home run. All right, what's next? Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, are better than they used to be. But how much better is the rotation? They went out this offseason. They traded for Bobby's least favorite pitcher, Steven Matz. They traded for my, or re-signed my least favorite pitcher, Robbie Ray. And the rotation is essentially Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, Hopefully, Nate Pearson is healthy. Um, already not. (laughs) Ross Stripling, I guess. And that's it. Matt Shoemaker, Ross, is he still there? See, I don't know. Ross Stripling when he's not booked on CNBC to do a segment on his portfolio. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is not the three to five rotation spots I want, you know, going into Yankee Stadium. Like, we, this is just not. Now, listen, I actually do think Steven Matz could be sneaky fine this year. I don't think he'll be a disaster. But am I excited about that? Am I excited about three straight days of Matt's Ray, Tyler Chatwood. No, no, Mm-mm. no, not, not excited. That's, about that. that's called not need to see TV. Yeah. And, and Pearson who is, is dealing with a, a groin issue right now and has also dealt with, dealt with, you know, arm issues in the past. He is currently on, at least on the MLB.com depth chart list as the two star. It's going to be Robbie Ray. I mean, he's making $9 million. He's yeah. going to be in the rotation. But Matt, they got Tanner Roark, who had a horrific year last year. He's in there stripling. Thomas Hatch, Trent Thornton, who I think led their team in innings a couple years ago. He's also in this picture. Um, now, what am I rooting for? TJ I am rooting for. TJ Zoik. I'm rooting for TJ Zoik. Six foot seven, Zo- TJ Zoik, who's looking great train. in spring training. I'm all in on, on Zoik Scoob. Zoik's Velma. Uh, Jordan, I am rooting for Steven Matz to be an all-star. Wow. That As would an be Orioles great. fan, I too many times have seen Jake Arrieta, Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gossman, you name it, excel elsewhere. And I think the Mets are going to be incredible and they're going to make the postseason. But I would love for it to come with a tinge of regret regarding Steven Matz. I would like Steven Matz to just fucking kill it in Toronto. I and agree. For, I'm totally with that's you. A, yeah. And we're Bobby, we're not and Bobby, you can turn your mic on and tell us we're assholes. But like realistically, Steven Matz, a guy who delivered one of the best minor league pitching performances we've ever seen live, Steven Matz at AAA. We know it's in there. And I think this is just a Bobby, great opportunity for him. Have you ever had a breakup in your life? Yes. When you have a breakup, after a little bit of time where you're a little everyone's a little salty, you then do sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes mm-hmm. if things go well genuinely wish the best for the other person. Yeah. And there sure. are situations where both you and your ex continue to thrive separately mm. away from one another. 
That is what I hope for Steven Matz and the Mets. I hope that they have now diverged and they each are doing well on their own. In this analogy, I never watched a Steven Matz performance, which seems about right. It's what I'm going to do this year. <laughs> Bobby, Amazing. Bobby, how, how good do the Mets... Scrolling meet? through Instagram, liking Steven Matz's highlight videos. Bobby, how good do the Mets need to be for you to not be upset about Steven Matz being an all-star? If the Mets make the playoffs, Steven Matz could win the fucking Cy Young. I don't care. Okay. Just Great. make the playoffs. Just That's make the closure. Playoffs. Okay, wow. All right, good to know. All right, let's He's in the on. other league. It's okay. He's from Long Island. Stick together. Oh, oh shit, he is from Long Island. I heard about that. Uh, let's move Long on. Long Island, Stephen Metz. To our, our, final, our final hole, Jake Mintz. This is a little bit more abstract. This is a little bit more abstract because thinking, oh, you know, let's look around the divisions. Oh, we got to you know, talk about the West. Oh, we got a team in the Central. Oh, here's a team in the East. All right, great. Um, the NL Central, the poop fest known as the NL Central, we're just going to go ahead and say that first place at the NL Central is a hole. And if you're a Cardinals fan listening to this, be like, hey, assholes, we got Nolan Arenado. What are you talking about? We're obviously the favorites. Every time I pull up the Cardinals roster, I'm like, uh, uh, I guess. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The Cubs still have all those great hitters. And then I look at the rotation. I'm like, uh. Uh, and then the Reds. I'm like, wow, this should be so good on paper. Oh, my God. They still have like, Oh, Sonny Gray. Oh, Sonny Gray's hurt now. Uh, uh, oh, the bullpen is totally different. Now. Oh, uh. okay. Oh, Brewers the Brewers. Christian Yelich. Brewers. Oh, Christian Yelich bounce back. Oh, they got Colton Long. Oh, my God. Oh, they got JBJ. Why do they have JBJ? Are you going to play four outfielders? Are you a softball team? Uh, uh, he's going to hit. Nah, nah, okay. And the Pirates are bad. Okay, so uh, this whole division is... <laughs> The ceiling is the roof. The files are in the computer and the division is the hole. Um, what do I want to happen? Buckos. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Give me the ideal. Um, give me the ideal order of finish in this division. If you could decide it right now. Uh, think about it. And I'm okay, ready. I have my order. And it, the Pirates cannot be first. They can be second. They cannot be first. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Okay. Uh, Brewers. Pirates, okay. Reds, Cardinals, Cubs. Okay, great. <laughs> Brewers, great Pirates, pick. Reds, Cardinals, Cubs. Okay, my pick is, I think I, actually, yeah, that's, no, I was going to have the Pirates in fourth. Still okay. terrible Cubs in fifth. Total Cubs chaos, panic mode. Blow Just, it up. Yeah, blow it up. So I'm going to go. Tear down the stadium, build a new one in Skokie. I'm going to go Reds, Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates, Cubs. Uh, yeah. That is what I am cheering for. Love and it. if you're a Cubs fan listening to this, or if you're Ian Happ listening to this, sorry, bud. I, I, I'm rooting for you, Ian Happ. Ian Happ MVP, Cubs last place. Ian Happ MVP, Cubs fall apart. Uh, okay, Jordan, that's the end of that game. Uh, we had one more segment. We're pretty long already on this pod. You just want to end it? You want to roll it? You uh, just want to roll this pod? No, no, I actually do want to do this last segment okay. because we're going to we're gonna fly through this. Uh, this I'm going to leave gonna the be... Zoom. It's like when the umpires left. You, know, you guys just do this one solo. <laughs> we going to roll the pod? We're gonna we're Roll gonna do we're gonna do a quick game of um, how good is this absurd spring training stat line? Uh, will he keep it up? Okay, now now you don't have to say whether they're gonna keep it up. This is basically I'm going to tell you a spring training triple slash line, and you're going to tell me whether that player is indeed about to have a monster season or yeah. not. Okay, real news or fake news? Yeah. All right, ready? We're going to yeah. begin with the line. 370, again, for those unfamiliar, I'm going to go give the average, the on-base, and the slugging. We are going to begin with a line of 371, 436, 686, courtesy of D-backs utility man, Josh Rojas. Are you a believer uh, in Josh Rojas? 
Real news. No, real news. He will be legit. He will. He's going to be outstanding. Breakout. Yeah, he he's going to be like the Diamondbacks response to David Fletcher. Okay. Wow. Like That's... David Fletcher slash Tommy Edmond equals Josh Rojas. I like that. And they'll still finish forty games behind the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, next up, here's a here's a spicy one. 1208. I believe I think he's pretty comfortably been the spring training MVP. Mr. Jock Peterson. Fake news. Fake. You're not in. You're not a believer that Jock Unleashed remembers signed with the Cubs for lesser money because they were going to let him play every day. You don't I think he's going to be just what Jock Peterson always is. Except well, I guess that's more. that's just news. That's just whatever. Like he's not bad and he's not that good. He's just Jack Peterson. I don't believe in the uptick in spring training performance. All right, next up. 667-688-933. Adam Frazier, <laughs> the Pirates second baseman. Can't believe they haven't traded him already after that hot start. That's what I was gonna say. I think I would trade him now. You know, his value's never been higher. He's hitting 667. What is he, two for three? Uh, I think that he will be really hot to start the year and they'll trade him by like April 12th or some shit. Uh, 10 for 15. So it is uh, (laughs) pretty good though. Uh, All right, let's go uh, do some pitchers here. Uh, We're going to go ahead and sort by innings pitched and uh, we're going to go again. We're not going to go triple slash line, but we're going to say uh, nine innings, 0.56 whip, one ERA, 11 strikeouts, two walks. Lucas Giolito. What oh. do we think? You think he's good? We know he's good. And now he's throwing the downer. He's got, oh, you know, right. he's got Jewish icon Ethan Katz in the pen. That's true. We're fine. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is this is a pitcher that I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does this year. He is currently leading spring training in innings with 10. Wow, what starts. a horse. Old <laughs> Haas <laughs> quivering. <laughs> there we go. Uh, 3-6-0 ERA, 1-2-0. But again, leading an inning. So this dude is ready to carry yeah. this staff. Lance Kyle, Kyle Wright. What do you think about Kyle Wright? No. Not a believer. You're way out on Kyle Not Wright. a believer in Kyle Wright. You don't think he'll even make the bridge rotation? Mm, at the well, beginning of the year, but I don't think he's in the playoff rotation. All right. Uh, we'll do two more here. Uh, this gentleman has a zero ERA in nine innings. He is spectacular. He is one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. It is Kenta Maeda. Does Kenta Maeda have another level in him? I think he, didn't he finish in the top three in Cy Young last year? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, is there another level? Are we underrating the Twins because Kenta Maeda is one of the 20 best pitchers in baseball? Yes. Kenta Maeda is the real deal. He is the bee's knees. We uh, talked about this last postseason. It was like, oh, Bruce Stars is really fun, but uh, Kenta Maeda is fucking awesome. That's the <laughs> thing. It's like the Dodgers traded away this like shiny, fun toy that's going to, you know, last you like a couple years for like, mm-hmm. you know, fucking Kenta Maeda, dude. He's, look, Bruce Star is good. Kenta yeah. Maeda is good. Yeah. I mean, again, can you imagine that? They already have like 12 starters. All right, last picture yeah. for you. Jake Mintz, this is uh, one close to your heart here. John Means, he is good, yes. Not John Means, but close. Why do I say close? Nine innings, 10 strikeouts, only one hit allowed, zero earned runs. That is Baltimore Orioles lefty Bruce Zimmerman. Mm. Bruce Zimmerman. What do we think about Bruce Zimmerman? The Bruce is loose. Baltimore native, grew up an Orioles fan, 
So he is he pitches with the pain of Birdland in his coursing through his blood every time he takes the rubber. He was old enough to remember Jeffrey Meyer. Okay? He's the real deal. Dude, he is an Orioles fan born in 1995 like you. You I gotta, know. you gotta root for Bruce Zimmerman. I mean, th- I this see dude... myself in Bruce. Yes, like, there you go. Do baseball fans love Bruce? Yeah. Are they about to love this Bruce more? Oh yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, this right. Bruce doesn't shoot a Jeep ad. That's <laughs> gonna Bruce that's Zimmerman gonna, uh, with Jeep. That's gonna wow. Amazing reference. That is going to uh, that's gonna wrap it up here. That's it. For this episode Let's of Baseball it. Barbecue. We're going to roll this podcast because it has gone on too long and we have thrown too many pitches and presented my too many takes. Hurts. Thank Luis you Luis Guillorme just fouling off all my takes. Thank you to Luis Guillorme for uh, ample uh, <laughs> inspiration. Thank you to Mike Petriello for joining us on very short notice. Thank you to Bobby Wagner, as always, for producing this great podcast. Thank you to Bobby Witt Jr. for being really good at baseball. Thank and, you to Bobby uh, Wagner for just like being a good friend, you know? Hey, 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 Bobby. Hey, thanks, Bobby. Bobby is my best friend that I've only met once. That's esteemed company. I think that you guys are probably in that same boat. Oh, thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, man. Well, I haven't that friendly... met that many people only once. <laughs> That's what I'm that, saying. On that friendly note, uh, we will talk to you next week when we begin. Oh, I guess can we can we say this, Bobby? The next week we're going back to twice a week. Can we, sure. Can we, can we throw it fl- that out there. It's, let it, it fly. It's let it's it fly. Happening. It's happening. We're back we're back to twice a week. We'll be back on. Uh, or is it going to be Tuesday, Thursday? I guess we'll have to figure that out. Either way, you will hear us multiple times next week as we preview all 30 teams. Looking forward to that. We'll go league by league. Until then, uh, stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Adios. Adios.